The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 216 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? I'm doing well. We have a couple of things to talk about. Some news, some non-moves from Utah and New York right now. And then a special guest. If you were a super producer, you'd play that like stone cold glass breaking sound. Because at some point, our, um, the bad boy of the podcasting friend group, uh, Dondrick's going to, my brother's going to smash in. And, and he said he, he didn't give us much. He said he's just going to criticize us, basically. <laughs> Because he says he listens and disagrees with us every week on everything we say. So we want to know why. And so he'll come in at some point and, you know, set us straight. It is it is amazing that uh, he would just blanket statement. He disagrees with everything. Like, it's it's like, you know, you could say the sky is blue and he's going to come in and tell us, like, no, we're wrong about that, which I respect. It's, it's hard to be a contrarian all the time. You're pretty well, good we need at more it, of that because we might tend be to agree more than not, to be honest. We kind of view like team building and, and basketball, modern basketball in the same way. To that end, let's talk about actually the stuff that happened. The big news, I guess, is, you know, small quotes on big news. Um, Patrick Beverly got traded to the Lakers for THT and Stanley Johnson. How do you think that affects the Lakers and their title pursuits? Yeah, I uh, I guess what there's three things to talk about, right? This, R.J. Barrett extension slash Mitchell trade, and then Chet Holmgren, right? Those three things is what we want to discuss before Dondrick comes in. and, and yeah. uh, Well, Chet, I don't know how much there's discussed. It's a bummer. I still think he's good. I still th- He's obviously good. Him. him getting hurt. You know, Greg Oden is good. He just, but okay. All right, all right. Patrick Beverly, I like this deal uh, for the Lakers quite a bit, I think. I, I understand the unintentional comedy of him and Russell Westbrook. I don't know if you can go on BovadaSportsbook.com and get odds about when the first locker room altercation will be between those two, but maybe as teammates, they'll really enjoy each other. But like you said, uh, THT and Stanley Johnson to Utah and Patrick Beverly to the Lakers. I, I think that this is one of the rare ones where it definitely makes sense for both teams. THT in LA, just not really a guy that you could count on, especially to play big minutes down the stretch, play with LeBron, but like Patrick Beverly, you know, this is a guy that's made like 38% of his threes on a large sample over the last like six, seven years in a pinch. He can handle the ball, but he shouldn't have to. Uh, He's not an amazing defender as his reputation is, but he's, he's good. Like in staying in front of guys and like making you work. So I think this is the type of rotation guy that the Lakers need alongside of Anthony Davis and LeBron, whether it works with Russell Westbrook, I don't know, but I think this trade makes the Lakers better for next season than they were prior to making the deal. If that makes sense. No, hundred percent. I mean, you know, on the court, aside from the Westbrook feud, it makes sense. I mean, Beverly's 34, but he played 25 minutes a game last year, started the season for Minnesota you know, and he's still, he's only shot 34% from three, but he's 
38% career. He's still a decent defender, certainly. Yeah, and that was the big, that was like a big outlier too, like him shooting 34%. Like he had been much higher than that the previous five years. So if you think it's pretty consistently too, like 40, 38, 40, 40, 39, 40. And so last year, unless it's like a note, just a decline. He's done, right? Like he's just finished. But he played a lot of minutes. I mean, you know, and and started 54 games. So, And 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 you, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, like the other thing that makes a lot of sense is, like the swagger. I mean, I do think that's a real thing. I think all title teams need like a tough guy, quote unquote, who's going to, you know, be chippy and, and fight, you know, like Draymond Green style. And I don't think the Lakers had that last year. It's interesting like, that we don't consider Russell Westbrook to be. I yeah, think Russell Westbrook Russ is, is chippy, guy, but, but like you clearly don't. But I, I will say this with, with Beverly. I agree. I think he's. I think teammates like love him. Like he demands a lot from his teammates, right? I'm actually expecting if they keep Russ for like him and Pat Bev to like be friends, which is surprising, but it just seems to work that way. Like professionals, whatever. But I do think also like the quality of shots he'll get with LeBron will be better. You know, in Minnesota, like I love Anthony Edwards and I really like Carl Towns and, you know, D'Angelo Russell's good, but like those guys aren't the level of creator that LeBron is. So I think Beverly will end up in a situation that's probably then as good as it can be for him on offense, you know, maybe since he was playing for Houston, but I, I do agree with you. I think he'll give them a little bit of an edge. I, I think the issue for the Lakers is people were like panicked that they were like trading Stanley Johnson, who was like a scrap heap pickup and mainly played big minutes because they didn't have any other wings, but like they still don't have any other wings. Right. So yeah. like, like you have Russ, you have Patrick Beverly. I think you told me that like the Lakers are thinking about starting Austin Reeves, which is that's what I, Lakers reporters have been saying. It's I don't hard really to imagine. I don't really get it, but that's like a combo guard with a little bit of size. But then also it's like Lonnie Walker's not a great shooter. Maybe Kendrick Nunn will play, but like you still don't have wings outside of LeBron. So I I mean it makes them better, but I, I do wonder like, was there a better deal for THT out there? Well, I think this is this is what's scary if you're a Lakers hater like you. And what's appealing if you're a Lakers fan, like the title odds have not jumped significantly. Still 18 to one on Bovada, still only ninth highest. Um, Did you expect, hold on a second, real quick. Did you expect their odds to go up, like to go down? But it's weird because we talked about last year, like Brooklyn and the Lakers were getting the benefit of the doubt for a lot of the year in terms of title odds. And that Lakers like shine seems to have worn off. Their over-under is only 45 and a half. It's like the team, it seems like no one's like believing in them anymore. But I would say this, if they could swing Westbrook to Indy, which does have salary space for, you know, rumor deal, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, I think, honestly, like, does that make them the title favorites? So it was interesting. We talked about this deal, right? Earlier, and this is a little bit further, and we should talk about what THT means to Utah, but there's some synergy to go into Utah, like Mitchell, Barrett stuff, but so there's no way, right, that Indy is just taking Russ in exchange for those two guys. Well, I don't, a pick or I don't even know if those salaries fit, but I'm sure they're, they're close. Yeah, they're yeah, pretty like, close. They make a combined about $39 million. Right, and he's like, right, what, at like some mid-40s? Yeah. yeah, so it's close enough. <laughs> okay. But like, so I, I read this too, like, and, and I, I read somebody say that like, there's no way that like Russ and the 27 and 29 first round pick, like there's no way that healed and miles Turner are enough for that. And I I don't really understand. Like if your goal is to win a title this year, those might actually be the two best players they can get. 
that also fit. Now the problem I seamlessly fit. I but but here's the other issue with this, right? And this is where I thought like I I did think the Lakers acquiring Russell Westbrook was very bad last year. Like I I talked about this a bunch that I didn't think the team would work. Like like you talked about modern basketball doesn't make sense. They do still need someone to also score the basketball when like LeBron is not in the game. And so like Russ serves a purpose in yeah. his role. He doesn't serve a purpose at 45 million, but I don't know if like, yes, Buddy Heald can really shoot. Miles Turner gives you a guy who can credibly play the five and also shoot, but he's a little bit soft. And just like Anthony Davis is a little bit soft. Like does it ultimately solve the Lakers biggest problem that like, they're not deep enough. Well, it certainly would. Yeah. And you get to two for one theoretically. So you're deeper, but you're still not deep. I mean, their team would be, Fit like a glove, I think. Like Beverly, Buddy Heald, LeBron, Anthony Davis, who doesn't want to be center, and then you have a center now in Miles Turner. I don't know if you want to be closing games with Patrick Beverly. And this is again, like this is, you know, we're a long way from this being a scenario. But I thought this was Minnesota last year too. Like I, I really like him off the bench. But like if he's starting and playing a lot of minutes for you, I, I just think your team's not good enough. Well, and I tend to agree with you that I think Westbrook and Beverly would squash their beef if they had to, and I think they could actually play together. Um, cause Russ has like size, you know, for a shoot point guard, yeah, he's a big athletic dude. He's a big dude. and they kind of, it kind of worked in Minnesota. They played next to D'Angelo Russell, who's a big guard too. So it, it was fine. They started together. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, but even in the scenario, it's scary from the Lakers perspective to your point, if you could do a one for two and you're still not deep, like that yeah, shows I, you how like little depth they have now. And again, this is like one of the first times I've looked at a deal and been like, oh, I, I think they, they did well here, right? Like, I, I think that this was a, a good use of a, like, I, I just think there's no chance that Teal Horton Tucker was ever going to be the player that people think he can be in LA. Next, this is, yeah, next, like non-spacing. It's, it's, it's just not going to happen. He needs the yeah. ball in his hands. You need to give him an opportunity to, like, take some shots that are lower pressure. And, like, you know, Utah is kind of in that boat right now. Like they still have Donovan Mitchell, but we had heard that over this past weekend, they were making headway on a deal with the Knicks for RJ Barrett. Presumably, presumably, I I think I read like RJ Barrett, Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, and then like something else for Donovan Mitchell. Right. I don't even know if like, like that actually might not be like the Knicks might get worse if they do that. I don't know. But RJ Barrett signs a four year, $107 million extension on Monday night. Uh, could go up to 120 million. It also has a poison pill in the last year, which makes it harder to take on that extra contract. It's like a 50% kicker. So I don't know, like if I'm Utah, I don't know if they can move Donovan Mitchell to New York. And so like maybe Teal and Horton Tucker is in another bad situation now, because if Donovan Mitchell comes back, right. I mean, is THT getting an opportunity to be a lead guard? Or do now you have THT, you have to trade Donovan Mitchell if you're going to make these types I don't of- think it's based on THT. I just think it's Utah's in such an awkward boat because it's like they should have traded if they could. Obviously, the world's not perfect. Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, same day, you know, just like so. But now people know they're in this sort of no man's land where like the roster right now would make the playoffs probably. I don't, would it? He, look look at this. Know. This is this is their guard rotation as of today, right? So this is uh, Tuesday, August 30th. They currently have Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, Jared Butler, Jordan Clarkson, Teelan Horton Tucker, your boy Nikel Alexander Walker, and Leandro Balmero, all on guaranteed contracts. That's eight guys that are point guards and shooting guards. Somebody's got to go, right? Like you don't have anybody that can play the wing. And then, like, what are they going to play? Jared Vanderbilt at the four and like yeah. Walker yeah. Kessler at the five? <laughs> it's a weird, they're, yeah, they're it's, roster, a, it's a weird roster. But now roster, it's just like, but like Donovan Mitchell has to go somewhere. Like, consider this. 
on Bovada, Utah's over under is 30. So they're basically thinking they're going to trade him and tank, right? But I then the say, Knicks, I think I would take over 30 right now if right, we were going to But that's my point. Better. And the Knicks over under is only 39. So they're kind of making it seem like he's not going there either. So he has to go somewhere. Um, so one of these two teams has to be decent next year. Yeah, Utah. I think, I think that I think this is my conspiracy theory. It's not conspiracy theory, but there's been so many leaked media reports that some people in the Knicks, some people in the Jazz prefer Quentin Grimes to RJ Barrett. I think just because he's easier to put in lineups because he can shoot and he's low usage or whatever. I think it's leading to that. I still think this deal is probably going to happen with just more picks, Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, whatever. You know, like I, I just don't see any way Donovan Mitchell slinks back to Utah. And in fact, did you see today he took Utah out of his bio on Instagram? I think. No, I, I didn't see that, but he, I do. He, enjoy he it. was listed as like Utah guard, and now he he took that out. Quick question: Do you know how old Quentin Grimes is? Well, I know he was like a three or four year college guy, so I'm guessing he's 24. Yeah, Quentin Grimes. No, actually, he's he's 22. Okay. As of today, but RJ Barrett is the same age, so it's it's interesting. Maybe you would rather have. I RJ... I don't think it's crazy. I mean, and I then mean, I, the... I'm not. I think RJ Barrett's better than Quentin Grimes. Hold on, but I, you might rather have Quentin Grimes on his rookie deal than RJ Barrett making you know 25 million a year. That's certainly yeah, possible. and he's going to expect it because of his name value and he puts up raw stats. And I really liked him in the draft because I'm a pedigree guy, and he puts up numbers. But you look at his shooting, still looks below average he's not finishing well it's it's looking at feeling a little bit like an andrew wiggins in minnesota situation where he's like gonna be getting 20 points a game not doing it super efficiently coasting on name value a little bit and then getting a big contract as a result so rj barrett is what 21 years old i did read that he is only the 15th guy in the last decade to average 20 points or more in uh his age 21 season or younger, but given how many players are in the NBA now, I, I don't know how actually impressive that is. Uh, my guy, Anthony Edwards also did that, but he did, he did get to the line nearly six times a game, three assists a game. Like that's his sort of value. He, he's definitely taken a step forward from his rookie year, but it does feel like year two and year three were like pretty similar. Yeah. I, and I, I think that it's, it's, it's worth saying that like, I don't know that I think RJ Barrett is even as good as, Andrew Wiggins was even though Andrew Wiggins was clearly like a very flawed guy and now has ended up in a situation where like you know Andrew Wiggins is your third or fourth best guy like that's fantastic right but I don't know if RJ Barrett is even that good well stats say you're right true shooting 51 percent well below league average defense box plus minus minus one obviously that's below average I mean, he he didn't grade as like a good player last year. No, and the and team wasn't terrible. It's not like one of those excuses where you could say the team was bad. They're like a five hundred ish team. A little and he graded less. out as a bad defender, which is kind of hard to do in the amount yeah. of minutes that he plays for Tom Thibodeau. So Who, I, again, and the team finished eleventh in defense. So it, he was worse than the average Nick for sure. Do we think that the Knicks had a choice? Right, like I, this is the other thing: is all of a sudden, like the Knicks give RJ Barrett this favorable contract that, like, kind of tie. He, they, they can make a deal with Andre with uh, RJ Barrett in it, right? Like they can they can deal him if they want. But this poison pill on the end of the deal makes it much harder. Plus, you've now taken a guy who, like, you know, maybe you trade with a year left on his deal. Somebody else gets him in their system. They get a chance to be like, "Hey, show me what you've got," and then decide to sign him or not. 
And uh, you can't do that now anymore because he's now an expensive guy. And he, again, his ceiling, he is 21 or he's going to be 22 in year four. And it's hard to like yeah. totally write a guy off like that. But I, do well, think I wouldn't write prom- him off. It's, well, the scary part is like he's producing raw numbers as sort of like a lead or second option. If you add Jalen Brunson, you add Donovan Mitchell, you still have Randall, you still have Fournier. Like how effective is he as like the third or fourth guy? I don't know. I don't know. But let me tell you something. And and I know that we're going to admit Dondrick here in a second. So this is probably one of our last thoughts on this, but the Knicks are just like wholly uninteresting with like Brunson. Really? Do you, are you, they're, I mean, you're way, saying relevancy. Like, yeah, like they might, they might be like the six I'm interested seed. To they see could how be like the eight out. seed, but like, they're, certainly, Donovan, they're not scaring anybody. Does adding sure. Donovan Mitchell even make them exciting to you? Like, I I think Donovan Mitchell, yeah. it's it's funny, like he is behind the scenes, like kind of wants to be traded, right? But nobody's like bashing Donovan Mitchell for like his trade demands because you know he's a likable guy. People seem to to enjoy his personality. He'd be fun back home in New York. He really is, you know, truly like a Westchester County guy. But like, I don't even think that like like Donovan Mitchell, RJ Barrett, Jalen Brunson, and Julius Randle, like. Yeah. All right. And then like, and to attach salary, if you're the Knicks, would you rather dead weight throw in Evan Fournier or Julius Randle? I guess Fournier. Probably. For, probably. He's Fournier. not bad though. I mean, he's you know he, he can he shoot. He was pretty bad last year. Shot thirty nine percent on seven threes a game. That's good, but yeah. he makes a lot of money. He makes a lot of money. Long term contract. Randall has a long term contract though too. So maybe you want to get rid of that. Yeah, Fournier. Yeah, Fournier. Is I think they'd guy. have to include Fournier, and then what becomes so, of Fournier? So what right, becomes of Fournier? So right now, given the odds on Bovada for the Knicks and Jazz, uh, who's over would you take based on what we know? Would you take Utah over thirty, or would you take the Knicks over thirty? I think I would take the Knicks, just in the sense of I think they might hit that anyway, uh, with regardless of the trade. Just thinking, you know, more talent. Thibodeau will have the defense top half. Maybe we'll get a little improvement out of RJ and they're going to try, you know, isn't that half the battle in the NBA is like, you're not tanking, you're trying to make the playoffs. I think that bakes in like 20 wins right there. All right. We'll put a bow on that. And short. Isaiah Hartenstein. He's Don't actually good. He's actually yeah. good. All right. We will put a bow on it and uh, we will bring in podcast villain. Wait, hold on. Ellison. Oh no, it's Dondrick's music. He's swaggering down <laughs> right now. He looks angry. He's got a beer in his hand. Um, <laughs> welcome to the podcast, my brother. Hi. Welcome, everyone. That was and, too and nice he, of an intro. You're supposed to be snarling and swaggering and well, no, I don't I'm not I'm not an angry person, I don't think. However, it's nice. Well, let me just say nice to meet you, Tyler, officially. Absolutely. You too, Dondrick. I've heard so much about you. All bad, all bad things too, which is really surprising. <laughs> um, so here's what I want to talk about. Okay, and it, 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 and I have to warn you guys: none of this is actually you. You won't disagree with any of this. Okay. It's all very obvious. But okay. I have assumptions that I want to broadcast to you all, you two in particular, about uh, uh, assumptions of being a responsible NBA media member. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. And and an NBA fan in general, but fans have less responsibility because you're not, you know, broadcasting to people. Okay, have, so there's have, four assumptions. Do you have notes in front of you, Dondre? I do have. I have wow, notes. he's already a better podcaster than you and me, Zan. <laughs> um, 
it, it looks like the scribblings of a madman. So don't, it don't, it's not that impressive. Okay. Are you ready? I'm going to give you the, you can, so you said this, four you can comment. Okay. There's four assumptions and then I'm going to lead to a conclusion. Okay. okay. Let's do it. And, and let me just say that what the impetus of this was listening to your podcast two weeks ago or three weeks ago when my brother Zandrick, I thought was being very irresponsible. Oh no. So this is, uh, you know, and I worry about him, Tyler. I worry about that. <laughs> so number one assumption is that nothing really matters, especially the game of basketball. Okay. Do you disagree? Basketball is a game where people put a ball through a hoop. Sure. I, I would say that Zan 100% agrees with that. I try to talk about like basketball results, and he only wants to steer towards narrative <laughs> and entertainment. So I would say that like he agrees with that. And you're probably right in, in the way that like the overall basketball media reports things, because we did just mention about how Donovan Mitchell removed Utah Jazz from his social media profiles. So we're, we're really focused on the hard-hitting news. Well, and this is the tension. This is what I would call a dialectical tension between what I'm going to talk about and what you just brought up, is that the human mind, we're interested in narrative. We're interested in emotion. Yeah. So we want to make games mean a lot. We want to make basketball mean a lot. I love basketball. It was my life when I was in middle school uh, watching the NBA. I cared much more about it than I did real school. I cared about the NBA. So I get that. Okay, that's assumption one. It's a it's a game. It doesn't really matter. Okay. okay. Like any game. Uh, number two, this is a more controversial one. I'm going to skip through this one quickly. Is everything is caused. All right. This is a, this is true. You, you can't just everything is has a cause. Therefore, everything is understandable. We might not have enough knowledge to understand it, but everything is understandable if we had perfect knowledge. Okay. You all agree. Moving on. I guess so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Number three, um, the media, all media, is generally parasitic, I'm sorry to say. Yeah. Uh, okay. You you all agree that you guys are taking this pretty well so far. That, yeah. I mean, I, like, I, the first, second one I didn't even understand, so I was going to through that one. And then, <laughs> that's why I wanted to speed through that one. Yeah. Okay. This, the, the third one is uh, like almost 100% true. I, yeah. I'm sure there are some media members that, uh, big J journalists, if you will, that fashion themselves like protectors oh, of the industry but like don't get me started at the at the end of the day it's a it's a transactional relationship and and even more so for journalists they're going to always go for the story whether that i, I totally agree with this i think okay, it's good a problem actually i'm but. very happy to hear that so it's tyler and me against zan so far on this is um, cool. I, on the parasitic thing i agree with that too i mean and and to your point tyler i actually think the more someone fashions themselves as a journalist the more i I, I think they're disingenuous. I, I think that someone like Stephen A. Smith, who is purely creating entertainment, that he's sort of in on the joke. You know what I mean? I feel like he's in on himself being, you know, anyway. Uh, okay, number four. But wait, but before you get into that, can I, or do you want to continue your complete thoughts? No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Because I can say, like, there are, like, journalists, I'm thinking of real journalists, like Woodward and Bernstein type journalists. Uh, right? I'm saying journalism has really lived off of Watergate for a very long time. <laughs> but that's the idea, is, like, they're so, protecting institutions, keeping, you know, the powerful honest. So, theoretically, I don't see a lot of this. If, you know, a news yes. reporter breaks the story about, 
you know, this and that. No, 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 you're right. The fourth estate does serve a function but, in, yeah. in, the, in society. But if, it, a lot of media is just to generate revenue for the companies that... Well, that right, but if we can, instead of like getting onto this like mainstream, like fake news <laughs> media rant that we're, we're spiraling towards, if we connect thoughts one and thoughts three that like basketball doesn't matter, then number three makes a lot of sense, right? Because at the end of the day, it's just not that important. So it's, yes. it's purely like entertainment based. So it, it's, it's entertainment. It's very different than like, there are real life issues that certainly do matter that real journalists actually have to like report on, but we're saying, so, you know, it's interesting. doesn't I, matter. Right. I think I've said this before when I was a Dondrick was a big basketball fan. I Alan Iverson fan. I was a big baseball fan around the same age, white Sox fan, Frank Thomas fan. And he was like a natural power hitter. And this was in the era when suddenly Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa were hitting 60 home runs. And it was very clear. Something was fishy. And I remember emailing an ESPN reporter at the time being like, <laughs> like, why don't you guys investigate this or like break the story, even for self selfish reasons, be the guy who, you know, broke the steroid story. And, and it was you. You I, broke it. <laughs> and the reporter, I won't even mention his name, did write back to my email and said, like, <laughs> reporters are worried about losing their jobs. I mean, like, that's old I was, yeah, that's this is. I was 98, so not to date myself, but I was like 14, 15. This is a that's a a very young age to like really take a stand, honestly. Meanwhile, like I'm I'm like turning on ESPN, like love and watching Mark McGuire hit like 550 food. Yeah, why isn't everyone this good? (laughs) Well, because I remember Sammy Sosa was on the White Sox as like a backup outfielder who wasn't very good. But then he figured out how to cork his back. It's like Bane or something in Batman movies where he like, gets like super juice and then ends up being like a muscle bound, like hero. Super juice. He came out of the hole. He came out of the hole, right? That's what (laughs) it was. Okay. Okay. Now fourth, I I have to go back or else you guys are going to start talking about football coaches and things like that. So I need to steer. (laughs) That is Dondrick's biggest criticism. We talk way too much about coaching and assistant coaching. This is really, this is really more of a, uh, I would say renaissance podcast than just specifically basketball. We like Okay, to, but your fourth yes. point. Fourth point, the- fourth point. Okay. Fourth point, uh, you guys may disagree with, you'd be wrong, um, is that NBA superstars, the elite NBA superstars, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, that tier, right? Right. Are more unique and talented in general. I would, unless you have an exception, I don't even, I can't even think of one than anyone that either pays them or covers them in the media. Who, yes. Wait, who? Oh, pay. Yes. Wait, hold on a second. I, I don't agree. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Are, no, are you true. telling me that like. LeBron is more unique than Paul Allen or uh, what's his name? The Mike, the Clippers guy. Steve he, Ballmer. Steve Ballmer. Steve Ballmer. Yes. It's harder to be LeBron James than it is to be Steve Ballmer. There well, are I think less, it's also there are more less like, Steve Ballmers than there are LeBron. No, but I would say it's more objective, cool. like you unique, where it's like if you were in a simulation and you did it a thousand times, like LeBron would be a top five basketball player every single time. If you randomized it, Steve Guys, Ballmer would be a billionaire. You, us, like one we have a better chance times. at being Steve Ballmer than we ever have a chance of being LeBron James. Which one of us is going to become Steve Ballmer? Some, explain that to me, Dondrick. Which one of us is turning into Steve Ballmer at this I point say, in our life? At least I have a shot. I might have a shot at some point. I don't no, know. but I agree. And then also, I think Steve Ballmer types. I don't know him specifically. I think billionaires get a bad rap sometimes for like, you know, because a lot of them are self-made. No, no, no. It's but, very like, impressive. Yeah. But well, if you eliminate, like, if you eliminate, like, I mean, family money is obviously a thing, but if you eliminate, like, you know, 
I don't know, like princes and kings from this discussion, there are a lot more self, there are probably a lot less self-made billionaires than there are athletes. Although LeBron is going to be a billionaire. And no, I no, no. LeBron is a one of one. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Is he, one of, of is, he one of, is he one of one? I I tend to think so. Where do we uh, where, where do we draw RJ the line? Where, yeah, where do we rank RJ Barrett? Where do we draw I think the line it's between? Very like, hard to be a, a like a Kevin Durant, a LeBron James, Zandrick, and our it, it would always tell me he would drill it into me when I was a little kid. I didn't have anywhere to go. He would tell me that if Michael Jordan was had no cap on how much he would be made, he would be making so much more than he right. was earning. That's, right, that's true. So All that's right. generally the point I'm making. Is well, right. no, I think so, I think your better point is it's a meaningless game, as you said, in point one, yes. I believe. Um, so it really doesn't matter. They shouldn't get paid that much. But um, I think well, it's they, fair to say, like, their talent is more unique and defined than like is LeBron deserves to be the highest played player in the last 10 years. He's clearly yes. the best of yes. the last 10 years. Whereas is Jeff Bezos really the smartest man, best businessman in the last 10 years? I mean, it worked out for him, but there was a lot of like, you know, chance. Exactly. So, so let me ask you this question, Dondrick, because very clearly yeah. that I, I believe that what spawned this discussion was us talking about the Durant net situation with just right, power structure and like yes. the power structure. So I, I'm very curious. So I, I will say this, that since then, obviously uh, we haven't heard any more news from Brooklyn and their Bovada odds and over under has declined. We talked about this, like a lot of people are buying in, but if you are saying that Kevin Durant should have more power, is that how I'm understanding it? Why doesn't he, if he is the most talented individual? No, 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 no. Here's my point. This is my logical conclusion. And it stems back from my point number two, which you guys uh, didn't uh, maybe quite comprehend, is that everything is understandable. Everything has a reason. Everything is caused. If I were Kevin Durant, I would probably feel like I owed no one anything, right? What do I owe anyone? The media who, if I say something, they're going to they, they want me to say something so they can criticize me. You know, my owner who I feel like I am the reason we I'm making him just me being playing on the team is generating all his money. Right. Uh, so I can decide whether I want to play or not. Kyrie Irving, more controversial, can decide whether he wants to play or not. He is a human who has the right uh, to decide. I don't want to play. I want to play for this team. I want to play for that team. Or they can sit out. And I don't think it's fair and to not criticize. get paid, though. But they can't get paid. We're, I'm not. Look, Kyrie can do what whatever they, he wants. It depends on their contract. It depends on what the contract is. So are be. you saying that, wow, man, we, we might need to dive real deep into this. Are you saying <laughs> that in this scenario of player empowerment, because Zandrick and I, I tend to say, like, I I, obvi- I gave way too much deference to coaches, 100%. I'm, I'm way too much of a shill for coaches. But in terms of players and team structure, a lot of times, like, sometimes I think the players are right. Sometimes I think the team is right. In this scenario with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like, I very clearly think the Nets are correct. Do you think the Nets are the villains in this specific scenario? And Durant should be allowed to, like, just go somewhere else, even though he signed a contract just because like he no, is no, no, no. the best player. Like, I'm curious what you're saying. Like, of course he has free yes. will. He can choose whatever he wants, but there are consequences. Everything has a cause, right? Like there are consequences yes. for what he does. So yeah. I agree. I think that there's no villains. The nets are justified to try and pressure him to play. Durant 
is justified to do whatever he wants. And the media should only really critique players based upon how they play in the game that they decide to play in. Well, yeah, but that's not, no, how, that's not how life works, though. I, but it, it, it's not how life works because we want emotion and so, we want to... But wait, let, let me tell you, we had a washer, you know, our dryer broke today. We have a dryer repairman come over. Yeah. Does that guy log as many hours at your house as your gardener or no? Just, <laughs> he, just, he just comes in on an on-demand basis. Well, it would be weird if he, if he called and said, you know, I don't really feel like coming in today, but you know, you know let me make sure the check clears. It's like, what? <laughs> you were paid. We have agreement. I paid you for a service. You but that's it. a total false equivalency, right? The NBA yeah, is an artificial monopoly, right? That uh, the, your dryer repairman, maybe he is the Kevin Durant of dryer repairman. <laughs> Apparently not. Uh, it's the third time he's been out here. But it would also be like, <laughs> it would also be like if you had if all the clients of people that own dryers were all in a conglomerate together and said, don't hire that dryer repairman. You know, it's not, it's not the same at all. But what uh, about this? What about this sort of player empowerment max to the max? I think, you know, I agree. Like, they're certainly the most powerful and most important people in the NBA world for whatever that's. We think that NBA players should only care about winning a championship. That's all BS. That's all made up. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's all they should care about. But the decisions that we watch these specific guys make, if we lump them together, and I, I think there's a reason that like LeBron does better with the media and Kevin Durant feels like he has to respond to individual trolls on Twitter. Like, there is a difference in their personalities, but. Like LeBron and Kevin Durant, like the decisions that they have made have been like, oh, winning a championship is the most important thing. But yeah. I I think, though, Dodrick, to, to your point, like Durant has a bunch of other constraints around the decisions he makes, right? Like, because if he just wanted to win a million championships, he would have stayed in Golden State. But he had to, like, prove a point that he could win it on his own and and do different things. Yeah, but, yeah. But I, I do think, like, the, the guise of the decisions that they make is under that the only thing that matters is winning a championship, right? Even though it's not, yeah. clearly. Well, I, th- I just think that Durant... Uh, I just keep coming back to the thought, if I was Kevin Durant, I would probably think similarly to him. Uh, you know what I mean? I, if I was literally Kevin Durant, that's a very hard place to get your mind because usually we're projecting our own experience onto Kevin Durant. We're never living the life of Kevin Durant, where if I was as good as Kevin Durant and I got lambasted by the media over and over by Twitter trolls and things like that, I would be kind of a a, a, a bit annoyed, to put it mildly, with with uh, the whole NBA structure and the media. But what about if, this? If this, basketball this doesn't. Argument. If basketball doesn't matter, why should Kevin Durant feel that way? Well, he's human, right? I'm not saying that Kevin Durant is an enlightened, you know, Buddhist monk. Or no, anything. I mean, I think it's very clear what you're saying, that, like, Durant definitely feels like fans owe him more than he owes fans. Right. I, I, I don't think Kevin Durant owes anyone anything. Cor- no, I agree. But well, I think true. he does own, I think he owes somebody something. Doesn't he owe Joe Psy? To, no, I don't to think he owns playing? any current player, but I think he owes, like, the infrastructure of the NBA, you know, in the yeah, sense of I like mean, they've built this thing into being like a profitable business based on a silly game. Yeah, I, I, if well, it didn't actually, exist, like that's how true. does his I, unique, most unique power in the world is is worthless? Well, I actually think too, and Dondrick, I feel like this has been a criticism of, of 
you don't typically criticize me as much as you do criticize Zan in the in the interactions that as I far see. As but, you know, yeah, yeah, but <laughs> that I am very hard on LeBron. Like I frequently, it's very obvious that like I'm anti-LeBron, and as yes. a fan growing up, that is that is true. But as an individual, I do think a lot of guys in the league now owe LeBron a lot because of yes. the way that he's expanded off the court business. And Durant has kind of framed his decision making to like go to New York, like that's where his board like 35 productions is and all whatever it's called like and so i do think that is something he actually does owe lebron because like the ability to create like to become closer to jeff bezos right exists now where it well, did not this before is, this is like i'll end on this because this is like the ultimate player empowerment dream and i think it's realistic when they're talking about doing a lockout or whatever i'm like the nba players should seriously consider this um Look, the big three was on TV for a while. The XFL's on TV. They have a TV deal. Every college football, I mean, they're getting obscene amounts of money for college football, like a billion dollars a year for certain conferences. There's clearly a huge demand for live sports. If LeBron and the top 20 players in the league, when their contracts expired, said, we're going to start our own league. You know, we're going to splinter off like live golf style or whatever it's called. Live golf yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. we're going to each own the teams. I think they could get that up and running within a few years. The problem and and basically kill the NBA. Well, the problem with talent. that is like, yeah, you need Ron is 37 yeah. now. Yeah. He's not going to be a star forever. Even if he, even Zion or Luca is only going to be a star for 10 years. So th- there's a limited amount of that. But the, and it's just a huge risk. Do guys making 20 plus million dollars? Yeah, why would you put that like that's one of the things about live golf? Like, why would you put your own money up? Like, live is just taking all this like money from you know, like the Saudis but, and like that is guys are getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars. Some guys, you know, less. But it, guys, it's very doable given how small the teams it, are. It, I mean, it wouldn't stun me at all if in the future it would stun me if Kevin Durant had a job like in the NBA. Like, I, he's not going to coach, obviously, made a lot of money, but it wouldn't stun me if LeBron tried to eventually own the Cavs, right? Like, right. Yeah. Well, and, and that's like going to be like, yeah. from an optics point of view, and, and this might trigger people, I think they're wor- not worried about that necessarily, but just the perception. Um, I think they're going to make a huge point to have more former players become owners, black people become owners. Like, it's just the, the um, optics of having 29 of 30 guys non-black in a league that's mostly black, it just looks bad. Yeah. So and it, I think and that's LeBron what I'm is like, going to own a team soon. In, in the past, there just wasn't that opportunity. Like, financially speaking, like, you could own, you know, like, I remember, like, Will Smith owned, like, 1% of the Sixers or something. But, right. like, LeBron is, like, legitimately a billionaire, right? Like, yeah. he still can't buy an NBA team outright, right? Like, Steve Ballmer paid, what, $2 billion for the Clippers? So, like, LeBron obviously can't do that. But, like, LeBron can be a majority owner of an NBA right. team. And if be, he really like, the face to. owner of, like, and if you're debating, if you're the NBA and expansion Say you're somebody's going to pay two billion dollars for the Las Vegas team. I think the league would rather take one point eight billion offer from an ownership group led by LeBron James than give it to some well, rich Microsoft guy who's offering two billion. I don't know. About I, don't know I really that. do think that because I, I well, I mean, to a degree. I, I mean, one if we're saying one point eight from a legal two, per, from a legal perspective, like if you're not negotiating in good faith, though, that's that's a problem for the league, right? Like if you're saying like you take a less of a deal because like you'd have to, I remember when, uh, God, I can't remember the guy's name, the guy who owned the nets from Russia. I, I honestly, Prokhorov. I remember like it took a while with him because they had a ton and ton of background checks on him, even though he was offering like <laughs> absurd amounts of money. 
because and they were going to be like, ah, maybe we don't think it's worth it for the league because he might be, you know, a liability. Who knows if he was? I don't know. They didn't think so. He was great. He pumped a bunch of money into the, the Nets and then they stomped. Well, and then also like we're running out of time, but like I've heard that the league doesn't really want Jeff Bezos types to own a team just because they're so rich that they could like blow up the system almost like Steve Ballmer is doing to some or, degree, but Bezos could do it to or like degree. Steve or like Steve Cohen's doing in baseball, right? Where like owners in baseball try to eke out every single profit they can possibly get. And then all of a sudden Steve Cohen's like, no, I'm just going to spend $500 million on players and people are getting mad about it, which is, yeah. well, I will say you guys would love if Jeff Bezos owned a team and then spent all his billions of dollars to assemble the dream team of assistant coaches because there's no cap on that. And you guys think would love that. In football, Do- I would do that. Dissecting Dante, you, the picks. We've got about like four or five minutes left. Can you give us other complaints about our podcasts that you hear? Like when you listen, when you're just like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this again. Like off the top of your head, what are what are some other Assistant complaints? coaches is one I get a lot. We talk too much about assistants. What else is there? But that's like... Uh, no, I like LeBron. your guys. We hate on LeBron. A we do too. hate on LeBron. We are we do hate yeah. on LeBron. Yeah, we're anti LeBron. Um, we were pretty. I, I recall you thinking we were pretty out of line with our Kobe Bryant uh, remembrance podcast. <laughs> what was that? I don't even remember. Oh, because we kind of trashed him as a player. When we he didn't died. trash him as a player. He's a great player. No, yeah. no, 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 no. I just thought Zandrick went. You know, it was uh, anyway. What do you think? Like, so we've done two hundred and sixteen shows, uh, give or take a few. We've, we've done a little bit more, but like. What do you think the Bovada odds at the start of the year were, or the start of this podcast, that we were not going to get canceled? Like, cancel culture wasn't going to come from us when you say oh. If anyone us. listened, I think I think I'm not good with odds. I don't. I'm not good with math, so I never know we, what odds. The amount of stuff that's been lost on the cutting room floor, too, it's really true. Yeah, you should cut that. You should cut that. I mean, I'm going to have to. It's, you know, <laughs> there's so. too many people that love Kobe Bryant that are yes. going to, you know, they're going to come after us for, yes, for comments definitely. like that. <laughs> well, no, it's the, his daughter. His daughter. Is yeah, daughter. that's true. All okay. right. Yeah. So then, All right. Cut that. Last. Let's end on a, a good cut. Well, Andrek, thanks for coming. Wait, and last question, Andrek. your TED talk here. Yeah. Yeah. Give, us, yeah. give, us, give us your <laughs> current pick. For the NBA Finals and who's going to win? Oh, interesting. Well, I, I don't know if, if Zandrick mentioned. I did correctly pick the Warriors. Oh, yeah, he picked the Warriors to win the West. Actually, and, I've uh, heard a, I've heard a lot about the uh, Ellison Consortium of betting lately. Where we, you guys? Where like, Dondrick, weren't we at like seventy percent in the playoffs? Yeah, eighty percent. You should quit the show and sell your playoff picks next year, and then not even gamble. Just take the profit from selling the picks. Well, the anyway. funny thing is, I think I'm a great gambler, which everyone does think, and. I don't watch any games. I only listen to podcasts about the NBA. So that's, that's pretty good. I, yeah. um, I listen to a lot of NBA podcasts. Uh, my picks? Well, I think that... Uh, oh, God. I guess you have to go with the Bucks in the East if I'm okay. just going with favorites. And uh, there's something... I mean, I think Zandrick likes this team. That's probably why I'm thinking it, is I like the Nuggets. Um, yeah, we, we did bet a, the Nuggets. As a, at 50, as a like dark 50 horse. to one or something, not 50 <laughs> to one, 15 to one, right? Maybe. All right, so I'm 15 I like to the one Nuggets as a dark horse. I like the Nuggets as a dark horse, but I, I, you'd have to go chalk with the Warriors. I feel like why, why are they going to be worse? All right, so Warriors, Bucks, Bucks and then are the Warriors, are the Warriors winning the title or is Giannis getting back on top? I would like the Warriors to win. Um, I think I'll, I'll go with I'll I'll go with the Bucks. I'll go with the Bucks. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna file that away. All right, next not week, a very exciting pick, but yeah. <laughs> next week over unders our typical show. Uh, so we'll prepare for that. He oh, is, interesting. 
Zan underscore. There's not a whole lot else to talk about right no, now. No, that's cool. I'm excited about that too. Yeah. Uh, now that in- we've been set straight, we can reset. <laughs> <laughs> we're just going to talk only about basketball. No more narratives. That's it. Yeah, that's true. We're going to. Everyone else is is zigging. We're going to zag. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. good. That, uh, that will help. That will help. Okay, Patrick, well. we appreciate you thank coming you. on. Uh, Zandra yes, is. Thanks for having me. Zan underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. And uh, you can email the show at sandrickellison at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be back next week. As always, it's a pleasure. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA show with your host, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.